Well, no spoilers here, kids. I guess I already know how this ends. Gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress, and it's been too long, and I apologize for that, but I am back, and I have uh, got myself a special guest today because, I, th- honestly, one of the big reasons that I haven't been doing this is because it is, I, I honestly, and you guys can tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I feel like you don't want to hear me talking to myself all the time. <laughs> or at least maybe I wouldn't want to hear myself talk all the time. That's why I have joined up today with a special guest, Matthew Vandiver. Welcome to the Film Find, sir. Good evening. And you know, if you would just use different voices, it would be much more improved when you talk to yourself. Oh my gosh. If I could just go back. And there's not like, you know... Not for nothing. People know about me I, at this point. I guess if you've been listening to my crap long enough, you know I'll do enough voices. But I even even so, when you get into that kind of um, where you're you're Mister Burns and Smithers, kind of talking back and forth at each other, <laughs> that's when you can start to get into a, a little bit of a sketchy area, a little dodgy area, if you will. Uh, well, Ma- enough. Matthew, thank you uh, for uh, jumping in on uh, the film find here. You kind of thought this would be a, a, a something that you kind of wanted to talk about. We've got Sam Raimi's uh, Doctor Strange coming out. Sam Raimi coming back to comic book movies, uh, this time in a different light altogether. Uh, so we, you kind of mm-hmm. wanted to talk a little bit about kind of Sam Raimi's career and everything. And as of this recording, I have actually seen uh, Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness. And I'll talk, you know, not any spoilers or anything. I'll just kind of give some vague specifics. and uh, Not vague specifics. What the hell is that? <laughs> I'll be vague and I'll be specific, but I'll be specifically vague. And you can be sure of that. Excellent. Uh, but I'll, I'll just talk in kind of brush strokes and stuff because ultimately I'll, I'll let you guys know this one. Uh it is a Sam Raimi movie. Doctor Strange is indeed a Sam Raimi movie. And we'll talk about a little bit of kind of what makes Sam Raimi Sam Raimi, his different types of films and stuff like that. We're just going to chill with Matt, have a fun little conversation, and uh, yeah, we'll have a good time here. So, Matt, how right. what was what's your kind of history with Raimi? Where did you start? Uh, when I was 11 years old and a trailer for army of darkness came out on TV mm-hmm. and I asked my mom, Hey, can we go see that? And she said, no, no, that's rated R. And there's no way you're seeing that. <laughs> all these, uh, so, you know, this Ray Harry Housen stuff going on, a whole bunch of skulls and everything. How, how uh, that, at 11? Yeah. Yeah. That is why I wanted to see it because of all that, that I saw in the trailer. Yeah. And exactly. But at the same time too, I think a mom knows like, uh, this is only going to encourage an 11 year old. So <laughs> yeah, could be uh, anyway, uh, some, some while after that, I went in, we were, uh, one thing my mom and I did a whole lot was we went to, uh, movie rental places to rent movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of them, I saw evil dead one and two, it took a little bit of begging, but, I got to rent Evil Dead 1 and 2 and absolutely completely fell in love with them and, of course, Sam and Bruce in the process. And since then, it's 
been, as I said, just a great big old love fest between me and two men who don't know about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember, I, I think most specifically, at least from an iconography standpoint, I remember going through, not specifically in Blockbuster, we had a mom and pop store uh, called Energy Video. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was I was a scaredy cat little kid, as I've discussed on many a podcast. Uh, so I was not looking to be seeing any scary movies. But you couldn't help but walk by the horror section, and you couldn't help but how evocative the cover for Evil Dead Two is. Yes, that 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 head with the eyeball and everything. It is. It is so iconic, and it's like as a kid, you walk by, and like even though like I am a scaredy cat kid, I don't want anything to do with this. You kind of go like, "What's that movie about? That's got to be insane." Yeah, I I redrew that skull so many times back then. <laughs> so I, I think I awesome. only got to it like a little bit later when I uh, let me kind of look at the timeline here, because honestly, I, I think we all kind of. We'd heard about Army of Darkness a little bit, so when Army of Darkness comes out, I'm like ten, so like I, I'm on like right on that same border. But I think the Quick and the Dead was like the big one because that had like it, this tells you what what where I was even at 1995. Uh, I was like Gene Hackman. Oh, we got a Gene Hackman movie coming out, <laughs> and it's a western for Quick and the Dead, dude. And oh, I think yeah. I think that was like the first one, and like I didn't know who Sam Raimi was. But, like, that looked interesting to me. Like, Gene Hackman, Sharon Stone, Sharon Stone at kind of, like, you know, the height of her thing after, in uh, you know, uh, Basic Instinct and all that kind of stuff. She can just sort of do whatever. And this little kid who nobody really knows at this point turns out to be Leonardo fucking DiCaprio. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And when you look back on it, it's like, wow, unreal. But I think at that point when I'd seen, like, a little, like, Quick and the Dead, that's when it was like, who is this guy? Let me go back. And so 1995, I'm like 13, I guess. So at that point, you have a lot more access to the video store. Mom and dad are, are much more likely to get you stuff, you know, I, or, or allow you to go like, oh, that's an R-rated thing. Well, it's R-rated, but I know it's, you know, enough in your area or whatever. Once you get to that, you know, 13, 14-year-old point where they're just like, meh. It's not gonna kill him, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then exactly. I went back and like saw. I think did you see you did you see Evil Dead two or the or the first one first or did you go Army of Darkness first or was that the one? Oh, you know, I'm I'm actually uh, hazy on that point. I'm not sure, but I did. Far as I can recall, uh, I didn't see the movie. Uh, I saw one and two first. I may be at the same time. Depends on when I got that rental. Yeah, I think for me it was it was getting it was like one after another. That was the really ferocious blockbuster video times. Yeah, and I would just go in and devour stuff, just constantly going through and set in. Uh, whereas some people would go, "Oh, I want to watch whatever this new release is or whatever." Yeah, I would be. I would be looking at the uh, the AFI's top 100 films. Like they put out a calendar one year with an AFI top 100 films checklist on it, right? Nice. As like the last page for this big calendar. So it was it was a decent, you know, I don't know, like 15 by 13 size, something like that. And um, 
I just started checking them off. I just started going to Blockbuster and watching every single one of them and checking them off and stuff like that. And then just learning. And so I would always go and go, okay, I'm going to go find this director's videos, or I'm going to go find, you know, all the early works of, of this star or something. I would get on a particular jag and just start going off with that. And like Raimi was one of those, uh, when you saw evil dead and then evil dead Two. I knew, I knew we had one and two. And so I was like, well, let me try to go in order and stuff. So here's the fun facts about, uh, the evil dead from 1981 mm. come 1982, uh, Adam would be born in the exact same town that the, uh, half of the first Evil Dead film was shot in. Oh. So uh, Morristown, Tennessee, tiny yeah. little town, uh, was where the cabin was uh, when when they shot the movie and everything. So like that, I have nothing else to kind of wave my flag, uh, you know, about at all. So, but uh-huh. uh, the town I was born in and lived until I was about eh, four-ish, I guess, uh-huh. maybe maybe early five, uh, I lived in was the was the town that Evil Dead was shot in. Well, all right, that's uh, that's enough for me to ask for an autograph. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get in line, everybody. <laughs> I will tell you the story. You'll all be pleased. Walk away with a handshake <laughs> and an autograph. <laughs> Hell yeah! You don't want a picture, but I'm gonna make you take one. <laughs> yeah. Just stand right here. Just come on. Tight, tight, tight. It looks like a thousand inches on tele- on on the camera. Come on. Just getting close. Yeah, as long as it's a good photo. So, so Evil Dead comes along, all of those movies and stuff. Uh, what do you? So we reviewed uh, Dark Man on HMP, gosh, yep. well, a couple of years back, and I, I guess now at this point, I don't know when the heck that was. All like eight years, and it all starts smashing together real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understood. Um, but uh, Dark Man was like an amazing, like that was that first kind of. Uh oh, Sam Raimi might do some sort of comic booky sort of thing. It was clearly something that. Uh, that tickled his fancy a little bit. Oh yes. So what, what was your kind of thought on dark man and that kind of level of we're coming out like right after Batman, we're not Batman. We're kind of like the Batman also ran and stuff, but still, uh-huh. still has a little bit of a charm to it. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, uh, as I think, uh, most, well, maybe not most, but some Remy fans know that, that Sam made that because he couldn't do, uh, the shadow. Mm hmm. And I've always loved Army of Darkness. And I remember the day that I showed it to my father, who also really loved the movie. It's just... Maybe it's... I don't know if... Maybe it's Liam Neeson. Uh, Just the casting to get all together is pretty good on that. Liam Neeson is like... The funny part about him in that movie is that you're you're mm-hmm. in this comic book movie. It's supposed to be a little schlocky. It's supposed to be a a little bit silly. You know, it's still yeah. got enough of a of a Raimi style in there. And especially once you get to that carnival, it is wackadoo Raimi yeah. on, a, on a level that few have seen. Uh, but once it gets to all that, like it's just it's it's okay. But like it still has enough of that level. But I I think Liam Neeson goes after it like it's not a Sam Raimi film. Right. He still goes after it super, super hard. I don't think that he's like laughing at all of it. It's that scene in um in the Rickard Gervais show where he's just talking about like how he's going through this comedy scene about his wife having cancer. Oh. <laughs> did you ever see that? I, I oh, did not. That's very terrible. That's that's, that's going on the that's going on the YouTube lookup <laughs> list. Like, oh I, I can be really funny. 
I was just like, my wife has cancer. <laughs> you're like, what? what? That's not funny at all. Your wife has cancer. My God. No, no, okay. it's hilarious. <laughs> like, no, it's not hilarious. <laughs> Your wife getting cancer, not hilarious. So sorry. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what do you know about the uh, the kind of connection between like uh, early Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers? Oh, uh, well, let's see. Uh, I think it was. Joel was had, was worked on the first Evil Dead in uh, some capacity. I forget exactly what it was. Yeah, they they cameo in a couple little tiny shots, and uh, you know because Evil Dead was just on a shoestring, nobody there. It's one of those whoever is around, somebody please you know help yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. They kept uh, since they kept losing people throughout the shoot. <laughs> and they were like, oh well, we'll 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 help these guys here and stuff. And it's funny because when you see. Um, you know, one of the Coen's earliest films in Raising Arizona, there's a yeah. couple of shots in there that are absolute Sam Raimi shots that, you oh, yeah. know, Raimi was just kind of like, Hey, let's do, you know, I did something like this, like, th- cause there's a couple of shots that are straight evil dead, Sam Raimi kind of stuff going on. And it is, it's just so great to like see those little flourishes in there. And yeah. especially coming out of those guys. I don't know if you know this, there was the, the story going around, uh, when the Coens were growing up and everything, uh, they were they finally they got around. They talked to a whole bunch of people, got investor money and stuff like that, and they were making a movie. And then, like the response from everyone when they found out that they were making a movie was, "Those stoner kids from the grocery store are making a movie. Yeah. That's gonna suck." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, now we now we have the legendary career of the Coen brothers. So. Indeed, not not yeah, too shabby, I, not not at all. I love those guys. I, I wish uh, I wish that Sam had met some of the success that they did. Yeah, and see, that's the thing is like you know, Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, while they had and, and even Army of Darkness had enough of you know a bit of a push and everything. They weren't you know giant box office successes and stuff. No. So, but he's got a little bit of juice with that, and then goes into you know, Quick and the Dead, which is which is pretty good, but still doesn't like it's not setting the world on fire. But then no. you've got like the Sam Raimi like uh, the detour phase, I guess we could say, of his career. And I don't, I don't say that in a bad way. That's not in a disparaging way at all, because uh-huh. uh, we start that out with a simple plan, and uh, a simple plan is amazing. It is. Uh, one one of uh one of those sleepers, and that it's another type of film that, like, if you didn't know this was a Sam Raimi film, you more or less wouldn't really, you wouldn't know. I don't. Yeah, think. I know. No, I I, I agree. It, it's atypical of Sam. Does doesn't have a lot of his kind of flourishes and stuff like that. I never saw For Love of the Game. Did you ever see that one? Uh, no, I never saw it all the way through that, at least. That I didn't, but another one that was really fantastic in that little era was, uh, The Gift. Yes. That was one that I was just like, it it felt like at a time nobody was giving that a chance. Nobody really wanted to, I I don't know why. And now when you just tell people like, uh, oh yeah, uh, Keanu Reeves is in this movie. They're like, oh, Keanu Reeves is in the, Kate Blanchett's in this movie. Okay, I'll watch it. (laughs) Yeah, you will. (laughs) <laughs> you bet. And then, and then, <laughs> when then when you top it off with uh, there's Katie Tom's topless scene in it. Then everybody's just like, is that on? Is that on Netflix right now? <laughs> you maniacs! I know what you're doing. Uh, yeah. But no, the gift was like was really fantastic. I mean, you know, um, like Billy Bob Thornton like co-wrote that, I believe. If memory I think serves. So. Uh, 
but where's my video? <laughs> but but a really a really underrated flick that doesn't have a ton of you know kind of again Raimi feels to it and everything. Uh, but yeah. right around that time in 2000, it was it was uh, it was finally revealed to us that Sam Raimi would be directing a Spider-Man movie. What were your Ooh. thoughts when you first heard that Sam Raimi of all people would be directing Spider-Man? Uh, let's see. Uh, is there a more is there a better word than ecstatic? Because <laughs> I, I was at the very least ecstatic. Yeah, I was like, for me, it was, it seemed like an odd choice, but at the same time too, I was like, I really like Sam Raimi. I mm -hmm. don't know what he would bring to this, but like, okay, we're one, we're like one, uh, one year removed away from, uh, X-Men, the X-Men yeah. coming out. So like, it felt like, Hey, there's a possible chance that we could be, you know, on the cusp of like getting good comic book movies from now on. The last uh -huh. one was good. This one looks like it's good. We've yeah. got Sam Raimi behind it for heaven's sake. Toby Maguire is kind of an odd choice for Peter Parker, but we'll we'll kind of roll with it and everything. Turns out yeah. we were all wrong. It was great. <laughs> it it was. was great. Yeah. We we you know, any little like uh, no, it was it was so top. I remember when I went to see Spider-Man um we went to a uh, my me and my dad and brother went to a, a sneak preview screening. Now, in order to get these sneak preview screenings uh, tickets, you had to go to like this bookstore in uh -huh. Charlotte. So it was about forty five minutes away from where we lived. So we would have to drive up, sit in front of this bookstore because they only had X number of tickets to give out. We were usually the first people there because we weren't playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we got there. We we got the tickets and everything. They they. Gave them all quick away. But once we, when we went to that uh, Spider-Man screening, it was kind of amazing. I saw every type of person there. It was like the young, the old, black, white, boys, girls, everything was there. Yeah. And you could just, you could feel the excitement in this theater. Everybody was just, to see Spider-Man like that and have... Have it come to life for the first time. That's not the Nicholas Hammond thing. That's not the the corny stuff that we had seen before. Yes. It was yes. like, bro, this is Spider Man for real. It was like that feeling when you saw uh, Michael Keaton as Batman. You were like, they did it, they mm -hmm. did it, and then Spider Man certainly was that. Yes, definitely. It, I remember that I. I was thinking, I remember thinking about Raimi's style and, and just what it could bring to Spider-Man swinging through the city. Mm -hmm. Sadly, I, maybe I was slightly disappointed that it wasn't more Raimi-like. Yeah, there's still a couple of moments and stuff where, you know, everything in, in all of the Spider-Man movies from, from characters kind of talking to themselves, um, Especially with uh, in in number two with Doc Ock's tentacles and stuff yes. taking on a very very Raimi vibe. I, I feel like in in especially with like two and really even into three because people complain about the dance in three, but that's come on, that's as, that's yeah. as, that's as Raimi as you get that kind of silly nonsense. Yeah. Like yeah, people really. just go like, "What? This is dumb." I'm like, that is kind of what Sam Raimi does, my dude. Yeah, like it, like <laughs> not for nothing, but like. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you signed up for when you got this. You're just getting the real stuff now. You know, you're learning what this relationship is like three years into it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I remember, 
Although probably the thing that I was happiest about with the uh, first Spider-Man movie was, of course, the fact that he he gave the task of naming him the Amazing Spider-Man to Bruce Campbell. <laughs> that that's always been a, a great thing too. Is that uh, he has so many uh, cameos throughout all of uh, his films. If he's not you know the star of those films and stuff as well, but not yes. only him. But there's also uh, his, what is it, the yellow car? Is that a Plymouth? I think it's a Plymouth car. I forget. Uh, I forget. It's, a, it's an Oldsmobile Old. Delta 88. There you go. I knew it was like one of those giant old boats yeah. <laughs> that you could just be totally. like, hey, if a flood came through, at least we'd have something to you know put a paddle outside of and get down the, the road. Exactly. You can do that, which is good. But that has cameos in in all of his movies and stuff, which is, which is like... How awesome is it that a car gets a cameo? Yeah, it's super awesome. It's just like, oh, yeah, that was my mom's car. We put it in Evil Dead, and it's been in every movie since. Yep. Do what? Yeah, yeah. Just Even in the Western, or so I hear at least. It's probably one of those that's like way in the background or something <laughs> like that. But it's like, like, I heard it was like a wagon uh, frame or something, used for a wagon frame or something like that. But a lot of those times, it's it, it's it's almost even a giant part of things. Which leads us after the three Spider-Man films, which, by the way, three Spider-Man films in a row, 02, 04, and 07. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. And then, you you know, they were like, oh, we're talking about a fourth one. They really wanted to, uh, who are they thinking about for number four? I know that Raimi wanted to do Vulture with mm-hmm. John Malkovich. That was the that was the rumor yes. of the time. Do you remember Yeah, some of that? Yeah, and the talk of uh, Bruce being Mysterio. Oh, okay. So let's talk about this because this is awesome. Uh, Spider-Man Two comes out. Spider-Man Two comes out uh, obviously after Spider-Man One. Spider, but each of them get a video game adaptation, right? So the first yep. Spider-Man uh, video game adaptation, two thousand two, pretty decent, pretty decent little game. I had a whole lot of fun for it. Uh, I wish I would have uh, watched the movie. Before I had played the game, because the uh-huh. uh, yeah. game spoils the movie if you have not seen it. So uh, don't mm-hmm. do that if you're me. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess. And then when it happens in the movie, I'm like, well, no spoilers here, kids. I guess I already know how this ends. Uh, but Spider-Man 2 comes out, changes the Spider-Man game as far as video games are concerned. To me, that was the first one where it was like, oh, they got it. They figured it out. They they finally let you, you know, uh, scale all the way down to the street. Because with the first one, you could swing through the city, but if you fell at a certain level, it just kind of, you know, brought yeah. you back up to the sky and stuff. No, here you can walk around with stuff, Grand Theft Auto style, punch a few people, whew, fling out of the yeah. way and everything. Yeah. It was so cool. One of the villains in that, so it was it was much like the the plot for Spider Man Two, or yeah, for Spider Man Two but had more stuff in it. One yeah. of those more stuffs was Mysterio, a great Mysterio uh, uh, level that ends up in a giant theater where like there, there's a, a Mysterio projection kind of thing going on and you're fighting off whatever it was. It was just it, yeah. it was a massive amount of like crap going on the screen at one time. And in the background, they're reciting uh, the, the Book of the Dead. <laughs> Oh, did they? Which is really great. Yes, Glatu, Baratu, Nick, all that, all that crap. They're chanting in the background as this theater is on fire or supposedly on fire due to this Mysterio projection and everything. And if I'm not mistaken, Bruce Campbell was the voice of Mysterio in that. 
Oh, I do. No, I, 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 regretfully, I'm, I didn't play the game. If he wasn't there, if it wasn't that, he did a voiceover in, in at least one of those things. Yeah, I, I know, he was uh, the tutorial voice, voice I've heard. At least for the first one, I believe. So maybe he had other, I, I, but that's what that was my memory of that. But Spider-Man 2, that video game for the, uh, I want to say it was the 360 that I played it for. Unbelievably uh-huh. good. I can bring it up and find out, of course. <laughs> so after after the three Spider-Man movies, we get a little bit of a break. And yep. then in 2009, Drag Me to Hell comes out. Mm-hmm. And we are like, I don't know about you, but at this point, we haven't had like a good proper Sam Raimi horror film since Army of Darkness in 1992. Yeah. everything. Not to say that there hasn't been good stuff in between. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, no. You know, not a proper horror movie, so Drag Me to Hell comes out. What were your thoughts on Drag Me to Hell? It was... Ooh. I don't know. I, at this t- point, I might have... Oh, gosh, hard to put into words. Uh, I was a little disappointed in it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it... I, I, part of my... Uh, Part of my fault is that uh, I st- st- go into any Sam Raimi project expecting uh, the sort of creativity that he he had to have for the first two Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little disappointed when I don't get it, which is a fault of mine. Uh, but uh, overall, it was a very fun horror movie. Fun, funny horror movie. It's really all you want out of Sam. And something that you honestly we we so few times get these days is is decent horror comedies that yes. like if it's a horror comedy it tends to be you know more towards the comedy and less so towards the horror and the horror itself almost becomes a joke whereas yeah. drag me to hell has comedy in it but it is first and foremost a horror movie yes I think my I, my favorite part was definitely the uh, the demon goat and the dancing demon in the, in the air, which is hilarious because that's like that, that part was literally my least favorite of all of it. I was <laughs> like, that was a point in the theater where I'm like, what the hell am I watching here? There's a goat like this guy's talking out about. I'm like, okay, like this is like. You can yeah. only sit through that entire film and just go, fucking Sam Raimi, man. <laughs> that's all you can just do, because like, that's what it is. It's just yeah. a Sam he, Raimi movie, and you're like, all right. <laughs> it, it brought that, he, just, he brought something there that I wasn't expecting. But I, it was like he was saying, oh, you thought the dancing scene in uh, Spider-Man 3 was horrible. Was horrible. Here's some horror <laughs> dancing for you. Here's a guy on a on a string opened up before a CG mouth of hell, where where a talking goat's gonna come and they're like what what's going on here? <laughs> but what a what a really awesome uh, conceit with that uh-huh. movie. I mean, like just yeah. the idea of it is this gypsy woman who goes and curses you and everything, but you can then pass off that curse. And if you knew that you could pass off it, who would you do it to and stuff? Like a lot of good like interesting yeah. moral questions and stuff, which again yeah. is what leads to making like good horror films I, uh, yes. outside of like fun and entertainment. And that's all good. And there's certainly places for those things, yeah. but the horror movies that can do that and actually kind of, you know, say a little something at the same time is, is so much, so much more rewarding. I think. Yeah. You know, I just had a thought. Have you ever seen the uh, 1950s horror movie? Night of the Demon, Curse of the Demon. 
Not off the top of my head. Uh, there in in that one, there's a, an evil, evil uh, know, witch wizard guy, and uh, he can set a demon on you by placing some rune, a paper with some runes on it, on your personage, mm-hmm. and uh, the demon will go to wherever that is and kill whoever has it. Hmm. And I was suddenly wondering if Sam took some inspiration for that for the, his plot of Drag Me to Hell because it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, but and 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 again, great physical effects and gross out stuff, which is that was one of the things I was most surprised at is like with um because I I'm fairly certain I saw like Evil Dead Two first as as mm-hmm. I think most people did, um and, and Evil Dead Two is you know essentially Evil Dead One remade and truncated in the first like what half hour maybe it's essentially yeah. the same movie again so you don't necessarily have to have seen the first Evil Dead but when you go back and watch the first Evil Dead especially coming off of the second one which obviously has a lot more of the Raimi humor in it that we would become you know more used to seeing over the years uh, past yeah. that and stuff the first one is a lot more serious and and whatnot but especially towards the end is how much like makeup and special effects work that they did for like the melting faces and all that kind of crazy stuff. Uh-huh. You look and it's just like these guys had nothing, nothing, and they made that. Like it's pretty astounding how well it came out with just the you know nickels and dimes they were rubbing together to do it. Yeah, well, as they say, necessity. Yeah, and you can wear the same corduroy pants every single day. <laughs> only if you're only if you're Bruce Campbell, uh, which, who, by the way, uh, you know, a, as you might imagine, does does have a cameo in Doctor Strange. So, uh, yes. and it's uh, uh, Chef's kiss on that one. Ah, wonderful. Now, in 2013, Sam goes in and does what I think is what I at the time like everybody just this idea before even Sam touched it, the idea of this happening because it, if memory serves, it went through several hands previous to him, but Oz the great and powerful, what a horrible idea on paper. Yeah. On paper. It just seems like this is stupid. It should never work. The wizard of Oz is a fantastic film. I, did you, I'm sure you did. Cause you're the right age. You, you probably saw like return to Oz. Didn't you? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, screw that, that movie. Great movie. <laughs> Oh. I know I know why you like it. That's why I don't like it. I was a cut child. That scared the piss out of me. <laughs> well, same here. I couldn't watch. The, I couldn't. I'd cover my eyes through the wheelers when they showed up for like years afterwards. Oh, I was like, no, thank you. I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> I eventually grew to love that movie so much. But Oz the Great and Powerful kind of turned out a little slice of amazing. Oh, yeah. That's that's a rare comment, actually. I I I, th- I thought I thought it was quite good. Another like great Raimi moment when he's flying in the balloon and the and the stuff smashes through and starts going all snaky on him and everything. You're like, oh, there's another yeah. Bruce. There's another Bruce moment and everything. I just I did really enjoy it. I I thought it was just it's it's outside the idea of what you know we kind of normally knew and was maybe not you know amazingly great, but far better than it had any right to be. I guess that's probably yeah. more what I really mean. Yeah, I mean the the weirdness of the Frank Baum original stories seemed like a perfect fit for Sam. Uh, but yeah, I, I need to go back and watch that again. I think it's 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 been a been a second since I've actually seen that one. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Uh, and then, then of course, you know he, he did a little, little bit of TV here and there, and of course, uh, Ash and the Evil Dead. Did you ever watch that show? 
I watched like the first <laughs> episode and I, I liked it well enough, but it's one of those things that like it was a it was like Showtime, right? Stars, stars, even worse. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would like had a, like a strike against it. It's just like, am I getting, am I going to go rent, uh, am I going to go uh, subscribe to Stars just for this thing? And and I suppose <laughs> the answer was no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently. But but I liked it well enough. What what were your takes on it? Oh uh, well. Ooh, it definitely it gets better as it goes on. It because it rained does. for a couple seasons, didn't it? Three. Three. That's not bad. I mean, for, it might have gone for it might have gone for more, but it, it was like one of the most pirated TV shows in history. The first season mm-hmm. that kind of handicapped its earnings. And yeah, it gets to be it. one of those like nobody likes to say it, but it's like it's on Stars, bro. If it was on HBO, ain't nobody gonna right? be stealing that. Yeah, well, he I guess well Sam not had nearly deal as with much, that. but you know. yeah, you know Sam's uh, Spartacus and those shows were on on there previously, so I guess he just had to deal with them that he had to see through or something. But uh, there, in season two, there is a scene in a morgue, and I have never laughed so hard or cringed so much in the same ten minutes. It's uh, wonderful. And uh, so, yeah, I'll check that out. I, it's one of those things you always go like, oh, I'll be able to do that. I, I can surely, uh, uh, but no, no, you never get around to it. Yeah. it especially with like... Uh, with doing as many podcasts, you get to the point where you're just like, unless I'm doing it for the show, I'm just going to watch some YouTube thing where yeah. I can turn my brain off and just go like, yeah, Sure. My only uh, big complaint was that Sam only directed one episode himself. Yeah, at the same time, too. It's like, eh, you know, somebody just goes, hey, would you like to uh, go direct a Marvel movie? And they're like, ah, okay, all right. <laughs> but that yeah. happened like several years later, though, after uh, the show was canceled by that point, wasn't it? Or close to? Uh... 2015, yeah. so yeah, yeah, so probably 2018. But uh, my guess is they'll they'll probably they they said that like there's a chance for things to come back, but uh, probably not. So which brings yeah. us to uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, which is interesting because coming off the first Doctor Strange movie that was uh uh you know written and directed by you know another pair, they mm-hmm. were they were on and uh, just had a difference of opinion or whatever, so they left. Um, at least according to the writer, he's still excited to see what Sam does. You know, he's, he doesn't sound like he's really, you know, uh, too upset about anything. Of course, if you're smart, you don't be that. (laughs) Yeah. So you just go like, Hmm, well, you know what? I better, I better just go like, this is a really good thing. This is really great. I can't wait to see what he does. I have, I harbor no ill will or no bad feelings whatsoever because first and foremost, you know, we got paid for that first draft or whatever the hell it is that they treatment or so it's not like he didn't get paid something. So yeah, (laughs) it's not like they held him hostage for like six months and we're like, Oh, by the way, we're not doing that. And we're not paying you for any of the work that you did. Bye. (laughs) It's none of that. Thank God. But, uh, it was one of those things where, um, just like with Ant-Man, that was one of the big thoughts when Ant-Man came out was, oh no, Edgar Wright is leaving this thing. Edgar Wright has been on this Ant-Man train since before the MCU was the MCU. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Uh, so with Edgar leaving Ant-Man, that was that first kind of like antenna up going like, oh, is this going to be Marvel's first miss? They get Peyton Reed in. Guess what? Peyton Reed knocks it out of the park. Yeah, does a fantastic job, and then Ant Man is is a character now, and like 
we are at the exact same place with Doctor Strange. I think the first, I don't know what the first Doctor Strange movie made at the box office and everything. Uh, but my guess is, is this movie is going to make a buttload of money uh, because, it, well, number one is tracking that way. Uh-huh. But people are starting to kind of care about the character. You've you've peppered him in, in enough spots and everything. He's got enough history and stuff behind him to where people are excited about this movie. And that's what I was like uh, astounded with, with like Ant-Man. Like I had that same feeling before Ant-Man 2 came out. I was sitting and waiting for a movie in a theater and these two little kids walked by. They were probably like 11, 12 years old, something like that. Yeah. And they're talking to each other. As they're as they're going up the steps there, and they're just going, "Oh man, I saw the new trailer for the the new Ant Man movie. I'm so excited!" And I was <laughs> like, "Bro, what world are we living in where people are excited for an Ant Man movie? I love it. This is just you know, I I could not have imagined that a an Ant Man movie would exist, b an Ant Man sequel would exist, or mm-hmm. c that some kids that are like 11 years old will be clamoring for it. And I think Doctor Strange <laughs> is a little bit in that same sort of uh, realm too." And it's yeah. Sam Raimi coming back to the superhero genre that, frankly, he knows pretty well. He knows ha- what he's doing. There's a lot of Sam that is in this movie from mm-hmm. different camera angles, the way he moves on stuff, certain makeup effects and everything. Nice. Uh, and it's a it's a very uh, it's also a very Wanda story. Wanda I is figured it Wanda, would Wanda's be. got a lot more involvement than than I would have imagined, and is is kind of a, a key crux to all of this stuff. But it's again, it's not like anything else that we've kind of seen before, and uh, especially when it comes to like visual effects and Doctor Strange and stuff. Your your my guess is my most people's hope is, is that we're going to see some wild and crazy stuff and i think a lot of people at the same time too thought oh sam Raimi, here's someone who has a very distinctive kind of you know visual angle on stuff what oh, could yes. he bring to the process of uh doctor strange and i think when people see it it's going to be really neat there's a couple of you know it's called multiverse of madness so i don't feel feel like i'm spoiling anything by saying you're going through a couple of different uh you know universes you know yes uh but the way that they show that for characters going through that is something neat and interesting stuff that you've never really seen before at least that i haven't not quite in that way uh, so it, it makes you feel, ex- it made me feel kind of excited that Sam Raimi's kind of got another one back. I don't want to say like, cause he's never really left. He's always been a guy like, as, as we said here, you, you, you guys have heard the, yeah. uh, the years as, as they've gone by while he may have had a couple of uh, spots here and there. Of course, we don't even talk, we, we didn't even come close to mentioning all the stuff that he did with all of the, uh, like Hercules and, and, uh-huh. and all that kind of crap. I mean, the dude made more of his money doing that sort of stuff than he did yeah. any of his movies, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So that stuff was was all out there. And like I guess that's where probably a lot of the big uh some of those gaps and stuff, you know, were were in his career and, and whatnot, just producing a lot of that TV and and stuff and apparently making it mint from what I'm to understand. And why let me ask you this. I don't know this. Have you ever noticed this? Sam Raimi uh is uh forever young. That guy looked like he was 16 years old when he was like 40. <laughs> he is like he's born in 1959, so he's not that old. But like he, yeah. so but go back and watch those like the, there's Evil Dead two promos and stuff where he's like uh-huh. sitting in a theater eating popcorn. He looks 10. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. You're just like, who would trust this man with money? Who would like look at this kid? 
He's just like he looks like he's ten, and he's going around to Dennis' office, going, "Hey, yeah, I, right. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna put together some uh, stuff here, and we're gonna shoot this movie. You want to give me some money? <laughs> you want to see this uh, film I made in college? Sure. Yeah, he made a whole bunch of short films and stuff, and that, like, it's so funny that like, uh, how much kind of his career really influenced a whole bunch of, you know, other people and stuff. Yeah. He was doing that indie thing before a lot of the other, you know, indie boom of like the early nineties and stuff was happening. He was yeah. do- him and the Coens and stuff were doing it in the early eighties when you, no one else was doing it. And nobody said like, Oh, you know, you're from Detroit. You're going to do a really great job, you know, as, as a <laughs> filmmaker yeah. who gets that yeah. idea in their head. And the fact that they just go like, no, nah, that's what we're going to do. And they stayed kind of like true to their Detroit roots and all that kind of stuff, which, which I yeah. thought was great. And you never really, you know, it never felt super Hollywood. Any, any of uh Raimi stuff, even, even when he gets in with Hollywood, it still feels like there's kind of that little rebel kid in there a little bit, just kind of, you know, thumbing his nose a little bit at the system, even though he's currently in the system and, uh, uh-huh. and benefiting greatly from it. I would might imagine. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I, I'm a, I haven't heard anything about uh, any studio interference with Dr. Strange. I know a lot of people would point to that as being one of the parts that quote unquote ruined the third Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And, and that's, see, that's what, that's a really interesting thought that you got there because let's, let's talk about that with Spider-Man three. It was like, Sam wants to go this particular route and yeah. really they wanted to focus on uh, like Venom and Carnage and all that stuff. And specifically yeah. Venom, Sam Raimi was not a fan. He did not want right. to do Venom for the third movie. And so he's just nope. like, I don't care about this thing. Why you keep trying to make Venom happen, boy. And now that we see two Venom movies are like, well, if you do it well enough, like even if you do a half ass, people do like it. Yeah. If, if you do it with the right mindset. Yeah. And I think I thought those new ones worked well enough for what they were. Maybe yeah, not, I maybe thoroughly not enjoyed them. I surely thoroughly enjoyed them for good, bad flicks. I'll watch those before I watch Morbius again. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I will watch. I will watch both of those movies before I watch Morbius once. hundred percent. Uh, just wait for Morbius two. Gonna be amazing. Oh man! But but <laughs> Raimi coming, Raimi coming in is an interesting choice for this movie because with. Uh, with uh, C. Robert Cargill and uh, oh, uh, Scott Derrickson going out from the first one, obviously, like I said, there's some sort of creative differences thing going in here. But as you said, with Raimi and the Spider-Man 3, his his thoughts must have just like linked up with Feige and crew and stuff like that. And just they, they vibed on the same thing and were able to go with it. Because I feel like if Sam Raimi didn't have at least a particular amount of control. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what yeah. he's like these days, but if I was him in the position that I was in, especially having, you know, after, after the third Spider-Man, I would, I'd have my radar up a little bit. At least you're not yeah. dealing with Sony again. So you got that going for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 There's, yeah, I didn't, where, I didn't where, think you know, about that. Cause if you, you got, uh, you got what's her nose coming up there to you from Sony. Oh, I forget her damn name. I knew yeah. it. No, just I forget it. Uh, and then, then you got Kevin Feige. On the other hand, well, trust me, I, I trust Kevin Feige more than I trust the lady who goes. Oh, you know what we ought to do? Twenty One Jump Street meets Men in Black. Yeah. Like why, <laughs> bro? What? 
Listen, I like crazy, wild, dumb ideas, but that's Same. about as dumb as you can possibly get. Why on earth anyone just goes like, bro, this is what we're doing. It's going to be really good. These are the same people, not for nothing, but they, these are the same, like, uh, you know what Ghostbusters needs? <laughs> uh, I, not for yeah. nothing, but we come up with another Ghostbuster movie, and that movie was great. I loved it. That movie was so good. so good, and it made you so mad at the last movie. It was just like, why? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> and, and to add insult to injury, you know, poor Kevin of Feige. T- sign of the times. I feel so bad for Kevin Feige because they put out a Ghostbuster box set, and his wasn't included on it. And he was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? And like, so, I sorry, under- we know our audience. I understand and I empathize and I feel so bad for it, but at the same time, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like they crunch some numbers and they go, we're going to sell this many with it and this many without it. Yeah. And we'll sell more without it with them doing less work. Yep. We don't even have to author it or nothing. We do, like no, you don't need to author it. We can just send you the disc to you just keep it. <laughs> just, keep, <laughs> just keep it. We don't want it anymore. <laughs> That's what I imagine yeah. all of that was like. Uh-huh. Uh but Sam Raimi uh still kind of a classic guy, just uh, yeah. one of those dudes that like in so many ways you can kind of nail down what he does, but you can't. Yeah. Like it's scary, it's funny, it's wacky, but it can be serious. Like, you know, and then, you know, g- gun to his head, he can put together mm-hmm. a full straight ass drama that, you know, yeah. that you didn't even know that he was capable of doing. You know, getting performances out of like, you know, amazing actors and stuff is not too difficult, but it, like yeah. if you can make it look good at the same time too, like I'm thinking of the gift when I'm yeah. talking about this, because you got uh-huh. like just Kate Blanchett just destroying that in there. Yeah. The first yeah. time everybody's thought that Katie Holmes was a great actress. And then Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves like everybody loves Keanu Reeves, but I don't think enough of those Keanu Reeves fans have actually seen this Keanu Reeves movie. So do yourself a favor yeah. and go watch the gift, everybody. Seriously. He, he you will you will absolutely hate his character that he plays <laughs> so damn well. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly I've forgotten. No, that's, <laughs> hey, listen to the story of my life over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. And frankly, with this being, you know, that giant, it's going to be a big hit. Doctor Strange is going to be a big yeah. hit at the box office. Yeah. Uh, which yep. will then give Raimi yet another chance to kind of take the money that he's going to, uh, you know, the that, you know, yeah. do whatever yeah. you want to do, pal. Yeah. Go out there and have yourself a blast. And he like, needs to do some more of that stuff and not be like, you know, somebody like James Cameron who has a really big payday yeah. and then doesn't do anything for a decade and a half and then comes out and gives us the yeah. same shit and thinks that we're all going to dance and do a, you know, have a parade for him or something because he's given us his warmed over, you know, leftovers. I might. Yeah. Well, listen, we're, <laughs> li- listen, I'll see it. We'll all see it. We'll all see, yeah, we'll all right. at least see the first one to go like, okay, wise guy, what are, what are we going to do here? Yeah. See what, see what he's going to do. But like, you got to deliver. You got to deliver because yeah. here's the here's the deal. You know, it's um, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about this in the after show. We'll talk about James Cameron in the after show. But um, okay. <laughs> so uh, Matt, you've got a whole bunch of uh, podcasts and stuff out there. Tell everybody about what uh, where they can go out into the internet and find more of your stuff. Okay, we'll do. But first, though, I remember what I was going to say, mm. and I was I was going to say was that 
if you you at the very least you'll always get creativity from Sam Raimi. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an it, he's an interesting, distinct voice to be sure. Yes. And let's see. Uh, let's see. I I am currently found. You can edit this slide, right? <laughs> you can find me on two podcasts talking about Japanese animation. They are Anime IO with Anime Dad Bruce Leslie. I know that guy. Yeah, right. Pretty cool fellow. He's not too bad. <laughs> oh shit, this was way too loud. I'll oh, see how I told you it'd be on the wrong one. Oh dear. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. I tried to do something wrong and it didn't work out. Keep going. <laughs> and uh, Tuning Japanese is the other one. It's a series where we talk about an entire anime series one episode at a time. And that's Hey, hey that's, listen, that's where you can find me. It's more than most people are doing out there. Why don't you? I, you, I look at it, other people and I ask you people, why don't you have podcasts? Where's your podcast at, huh, yeah. Mark? I? It's, I just want to say, real that it is a dream come true to work with great people in this medium. Oh, thank you. It's great to have, uh, you know, uh, fans like you. Oh, right. Who yeah, you kept too, supporting Adam. us. Oh, you son of a bitch. Where's this? Where's the dinger zone button? <laughs> All right, everybody, that is it. Uh, join us next time when we're talking about more stuff. Uh, for Van stuff. Bird, my name is Adam Portress. See you next time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so very much. No, I appreciate it. Uh, it's like I said, I, I, it's one of those things that I've been I've been wanting to do, and like it's just it's it's so tough because I, I just I always feel like no one wants to hear me just talk to myself. So uh, if you enjoy hear me uh, talk to myself, 
Patreon.com slash the film. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah. Um, all right. So J- James Cameron's, uh, oh, I, I should have looked it up while the damn music was playing, but he's come out and talked a little bit about, you know, uh, Avatar 2. It's got it. It's got it's uh, it's got a title. Yeah. Uh, it's something about the sea or water or some such nonsense. Yes. Avatar 2. It's like he he, far, he wants to have each movie set in a different environment. I know. Yeah, the way of water, the way of water. Terrible. Which, by the way, I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you probably you probably know this because it's the same same perhaps. era and everything. Um, you know what? I always thought James Cameron should have directed. What Michael Turner's Fathom? Yeah. Perfect. Is that not the perfect James Cameron movie? He likes all this water shit. Yeah. Bro. You're you're fucking right. It's exactly up his alley. Like, just from an aesthetic standpoint, it is all James Cameron. And then you've got a hot female lead and everything. Dude. Wow. I didn't even think of that. I've thought this since that book came out. I was like, this should be the next James Cameron thing. I've thought that forever. It's it's unreal how like it's so it's so on point for him underwater creatures and stuff and it's an interesting compelling story unlike yeah. this Navi shit <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's essentially just Pocahontas and it was fine <laughs> but it wasn't anything amazing and like and so yeah. so Cameron comes out yeah. and he says uh, uh, so we we've been working on this movie and blah 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 and. Uh, it's gonna be good. We're gonna be pushing. We're gonna be pushing the bounds of cinema. Some shit like uh-huh. that. That's essentially yeah, what he right. said for this one. And it's just like, wait a minute, what? That's it. <laughs> That's all you got. Because if you remember, maybe you don't. Uh, but the impetus oh. for us getting on to the digital format system in theaters is Mr. James Cameron. It's James yeah. Cameron's fault. <laughs> yeah. He's the one that ultimately we can blame this for. Because when Avatar came out, about a year before that came out, they said, "Okay, James Cameron said." Hi, everybody. My name's James Cameron, and I'm going to be putting out a movie, and uh, it's only going to be in digital. I'm not putting, we're not striking any 35 millimeter prints of this. So if you want to play, and like this is him calling his shot, this is him Babe Ruth pointing to the stands. He goes, If you want the biggest movie that has ever been, you need to be having digital in your theater ASAP. Because we're coming out on this date. And if you don't have it, guess what? You don't have Avatar. You don't have the biggest, craziest movie that ever is going to be. You won't have it because you don't have digital. And that's why everybody switched over at that point. They were scared as hell of not being able to be on the James Cameron train. Uh Uh-huh. And so, Am I the only one who thinks that George Lucas was probably thinking something like "shut up, bitch"? Yeah, no, trust me, I'm sure George was way more pissed that, like, you know, that he got it before before he did. Like he's mm-hmm. like, well, at least I came up with THX. I don't kiss my ass. I don't care. <laughs> I got better stuff than you. We bought the we bought Avid. So shut up. <laughs> you know, shit like that. Like that's what the I feel is like. Now death. Turn it up. <laughs> the old grandpa is the best. Yeah. Uh, but you know. That was that was the thing when when Avatar yeah. came out, everybody was just like, okay, number one, everybody was watching on digital, so that was a new different thing, and and again, uh, I don't think enough people think about this, but when you have the transition back or forth uh, from digital to uh, to uh, uh, film or film to digital, yeah. your eyes need to cha- time to adjust. Yeah, it's really, really strange because if you we've been going to digital movies so long that if you go in to see a thirty-five millimeter, or I saw like uh, Dunkirk and seventy millimeter, 
And yeah, for like the first like three minutes, you're like, the hell is wrong with this thing? I gotta like, you gotta put it together. And like, and while they're both, you know, digital or uh, film, they're both 24 frames a second, that little flicker in there, it's just like, and then, but it, what's so cool is that your brain kind of filters that out after a while and then, you know, you never yeah. really see it again. Uh, yeah. But, you know, digital took all that away, which is, it's fine. It's its own thing. It certainly is certainly different uh, in many fashions. But with this new, um, oh, not only, not only digital, but 3D as well. He, he was doing 3D. I don't want to say he was the first to do it, because no. that obviously isn't true. But even he wasn't even the first in the revival of 3D. That mantle goes to Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez is doing that before all you motherfuckers are doing it. He's doing it with <laughs> you know anaglyph glasses and whatnot. Yes, uh, but having having the 3D, having this like you know kind of crazy CGI, you didn't know like hey what's CGI, what's real, what's fake, blah 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 blah. Yeah, uh, it, it looked gorgeous. Just it, uh-huh. it looked amazing, but the story it, was just. You- Garbage. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, remember, I I was the first movie I ever saw in 3D. That was that I felt like I could walk into the space that I was looking at. Uh, but uh, you know, I all still for personally, when all is said and done, the movie did give me something that I love that I don't get enough of anywhere practically, because uh, I have a certain set of fandoms <laughs> <laughs> and i i shape-shifting is my favorite superpower uh-huh. because i absolutely love it when a character is uh transformed into something and uh i like uh mind swap stories and avatar with the whole uh, put your mind in this alien body mm-hmm. gave me so much of that that I never thought I'd get. And now I'll be getting more of it. So even if the stories suck, I will at least be happy that I got something like that. Yeah. Out of a mainstream movie. I mean, the real weird thing that you have to think about is like, okay. You ride the horse the same way you have sex. Did you realize that in this movie? It's like you, you both like you both like connect your hair braids or some shit to ride a yep. horse and to have yep. sex. What's that yeah. about? What y'all listen? We're becoming one with the horse. I would say so. If it, you the same thing means you were having sex with that girl, and now you're over here with this this dragon. Yeah, <laughs> you having sex with this dragon? Is that what's going on right now? You're not you're not I, piloting this dragon with your testosterone or some shit, are you? That's disgusting. <laughs> I, I, have a long, I I have I have very long hair and I braid it and after the first Avatar movie came out I could not go anywhere without somebody making jokes about that you're like let me attach this up to my nipples will you yeah like oh get away from me <laughs> why 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 at the DMV of all places <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I got to have some fun there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Pass the time one way or the other. 